Um, this is going to be tough, but I want you to stay with me. We can't ignore the difficult topics just because they make us uncomfortable. And we certainly can't skip a commandment. The fourth commandment, the fourth commandment has to do with time commitment and priority management. Right? Managing your time is easy, right? After all, we've got all kinds of time-saving devices that, that previous generations didn't have. Right? We have micro- microwaves so that you can make dinner faster. We have email and text messaging so you don't have to take the time and actually talk to people. We have digital cameras so you don't have to wait to see your pictures like we used to. Don't you just love spending time vacuuming? No? You can buy a robot vacuum to do it for you. I want one of these. Right? No more having to read maps and pull over on the side of the road or driving 75, 80 miles an hour with the map in front of you. Students, y'all don't even know what a map is. A map was this thing that you used to unfold out of the glove box, and it had roads on there. Um, but now we've got GPS so that I can get lost quicker. Travel is quicker than ever before. Just a, a few months ago, I was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and had training until noon, and I hopped on a plane and was in, at home in time for dinner. And we've got WebMD so that you don't have to go to the doctor and get a real diagnosis. You can diagnose yourself with leprosy when you find a small rash on your arm. Right? Isn't it awesome how much, how much time we're saving? Right? We should have all kinds of time for rest and for church and God and for family. But in spite of all these time-saving devices, people seem to be more and more busy. ABC News said not only are Americans working longer hours than any time since statistics have been kept, but now they are working longer than anyone else in the industrialized world. And while workers in other countries have been seeing their hours cut back in legislation focused on preventing work from infringing on private lives, Americans have been going in the other direction. What about you? Do you have more time or less time? Let's take a poll. If you are too busy and you don't have enough time, would you stand up? It's not a trick. Only one person is too busy. I'm actually really impressed. A few, okay, see? Right? A lot of us are are too busy. Now, if you are less busy than ever before and you feel like you've got a really good life balance stand, one person, okay? Obviously, the reality is the fourth commandment is one that we've got to talk about. God said in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. I don't think that he was talking about Martians here. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is within them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Before we go any further, let me confess, this is the commandment that I personally have been dreading, because this is the one that I struggle with the most. There are three parts to this commandment. Keeping the Sabbath holy, work, and rest. 
I do great with the first two parts, right? Work and keeping the Sabbath day holy. But the reality is I don't do nearly as well with the third part of it, rest. So today I'm not teaching from a position of strength, one of those do-as-I-do kind of things. Instead, I'm teaching from a position of weakness. I'm a fellow struggler who, who needs to learn how to fully follow and obey this commandment. I have to change in order to be obedient to the Lord. If you don't struggle with this commandment, then your role is to encourage those of us who do. As we work through this, I want you to grade yourself on each of the three parts, work, keeping the Sabbath holy, and rest. And so I gave you some spots there in your outline today that you can do that. Verse 9 says, six days you shall labor and do all of your work. From the very beginning, God intended people to work. God never intended you to become lazy and idle. In 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul said, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of what is right. The message version says it this way. Don't you remember the rule we had and we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. And now we're getting reports that a bunch of lazy good-for-nothings are taking advantage of you. This must not be tolerated. We command them to work immediately. No excuses, no arguments, and to earn their own keep. Friends, don't slack off in doing your duty. Now, don't read that and say, then why do we hand out food to the hungry? Right? They should work more and buy their own food. Listen, this passage isn't talking about people who are struggling to make ends meet or who don't have enough food. This isn't biblical justification to be selfish and stingy. Jesus in Matthew 25, talking about when we all stand before him in judgment, said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited, invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, did we see you sick or in prison or go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Proverbs 25, 21 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. James 3, 27 says, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, when you care for and feed the hungry, God responds with blessing. However, if you're lazy, unwilling to work, you're a sluggard trying to sponge off of others and get handouts, then you're violating the fourth commandment. Get up and get a job. God said you shall labor. How do you do on that part? Grade yourself in the blank there in the outline that I provided. For me, I gave myself an A. I've been accused of a lot of things, but, but I've never been accused of being lazy. I work hard and I put in a lot of hours. 
I earn my food. Listen, work hard. Give it your all. Do your very best. But remember, according to the, to the fourth commandment, there is one day that's supposed to be set aside, not for work, but for, for God. Remember, God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Something that is holy is different, unique, or special. See, the Sabbath is to be treated with special care and significance. How do you do that? The first step is clear. Stop working. The word Sabbath means to cease or to stop. But the Sabbath wasn't just a day to rest. It was also a day to worship and to replenish the soul. Leviticus 23 calls the Sabbath a day of sacred assembly, meaning a time for God's people to gather together for worship. Keeping the Sabbath holy also means to dedicate it for worship. Right? And some people think that the fourth commandment no longer applies because the New Testament doesn't say that we have to keep the fourth, we don't have to keep the Sabbath. But Jesus practiced keeping the Sabbath with a whole new understanding of it. Luke 4, 16 says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the day of the Sabbath he went down in the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. You might say that, that Jesus observed the Sabbath by going to church. Here's what we're going to avoid. We're not going to argue about whether, whether the Sabbath should be on Saturday or Sunday. Right? As we consider the, the early church in, in the book of Acts, we see that something changed with their practice of Sabbath. The Jewish Sabbath, was, which they always kept, was on the seventh day of the week, which is what we call Saturday. But Jesus was raised from the dead, not on the seventh day, but on the first day of the week, Sunday. And it seems that the early church changed in response. Acts 20, 27 says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Listen, Saturday or Sunday, it's not the day that we meet that matters, but the fact that we set aside a day for God to worship and to keep the day holy. God commanded, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You see, when I grew up, I didn't grow up in a house that, where my parents were saved, but I had an aunt who was who took us to church, and, and Sundays were reserved for two things. They were reserved for church and for rest. When we went to church, we, we went to church, and my aunt took us every single Sunday, and then when we got home from church, you know what we did? We took a nap, and we rested. Some of you guys are already, you already started your Sunday afternoon nap already. Stop, pay attention. I'm joking, nobody's sleeping. But, but it, was, it was for church, and it was for rest. Listen, Sundays weren't a day to play sports or to hang out with friends. It wasn't even a day for family time. It was a holy day, a day on which we honored God by keeping the fourth commandment. In 1981, the movie Chariots on Fire told the story of Eric Liddell. And Liddell served as a missionary and died in an internment camp in China in 1945. Eric Liddell was also the British record holder for the 100 meters. During the 1924 Paris Olympics, Liddell found out that he was supposed to run the 100 meters on Sunday. But because Eric believed in observing the Sabbath, he decided not to run. He was criticized by his teammates, his countrymen, and even questioned by, by, by many of his country's leaders. Still, Eric refused to run, and instead, he ran the 400 meters, which was not his best event. And just before that race, someone handed him a note that said, them that honor me 
I will honor. That day, Eric Liddell set a new world record in the 400 meters. More importantly, he honored the Lord and the Sabbath. You see, our great-grandfathers called it the Holy Sabbath. Our grandparents called it the Sabbath. Our parents called it Sunday. And now we call it the weekend or Sunday fun day. Right? But in the fourth commandment, God gave instructions about that one day of the week. It's more than just a weekend. It's supposed to be a day that's reserved for God. It's a holy day. Sadly, ignoring this command to keep the, the Sabbath holy and reserved for God is almost a part of our culture. Instead of church, we have tournaments and traveling teams. Instead of spending time in, in God's house, we have family time. Lake day has become more important than God's day. Listen, I'm not against tournaments and travel teams or family time or lake days. All those things are wonderful when they're kept in their right place. But when they become a Sabbath replacement, they are idols that we worship instead of the Lord. When you think about it that way, many people break the first four commandments at the same time, or the first three, first four commandments at the same time. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol. Make for yourself an idol. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So just in that right there, we break the first three. But I, I guess if you, call, if you curse on the ball field or the lake or the golf course, then you just made it four for four. Right? Church attendance is down in America. Even, at the same, even though the same percentage of Americas call themselves Christians. Used to, to give three time slots a week to God. You had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. Now you give God about one out of every three Sundays and feel like you're doing him a favor. The problem is God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, reserved for the Lord. You see, we've been afraid to address this in the church because we don't want to tick people off, Right? We're afraid that they're going to leave our church and go to another lower commitment church that will make them feel good. I understand that temptation, but we can't ignore it. It's one of the big ten. So grade yourself. How are you doing on keeping the Sabbath day holy? Where does God fit into your weekend? I gave myself another A. I'm feeling good about this commitment. But now we come to the final part. The area that I struggle the most, rest. For six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them. But he what? He rested on the seventh day. Inc. Magazine said, how do the elite signal to each other how important they are? I'm slammed as a socially acceptable way of saying I'm important. Fifty years ago, Americans signaled class by displaying their leisure. Think banker's hours, nine to three. But today, the working rich display their extreme schedules. What a twisted and unbiblical approach, actually bragging about being busy. I listen to people who are proud of the fact that they don't get enough sleep. Oh, I only have to sleep two hours. Wrong. In March of this year, many of you guys don't know 
Um, but I had a little bit of a scare. I was laying in bed one night and, and was sleeping. Um, it was about 3 a.m. and I, I, I woke, up, woke up. I don't work up. I didn't work up. Um, I woke up and my chest was hurting. Um, I, I knew something wasn't right because it wasn't normal heartburn or things that normally wake up in the night. Like it was just a heaviness. The reality is I thought that I was having a heart attack. So I got up. Drove myself to the hospital. By the way, not the smartest thing to do when you think you're having a heart attack. Um, drove myself to the hospital and got checked out by the doctors. Came back, my, my EKG, everything was clean. Um, and, and the doctor walked in and said, tell me about your schedule. I went, well, I was sleeping. That's what was on my schedule. What happened and what they diagnosed me with was a stress-induced panic attack. It was at that moment that I realized something needed to change. That my stress and my lack of sleep that I was experiencing was starting to take a toll not only on myself, but on the entire family. It was at that moment that I learned the power of saying no. Listen, I like people. I like people to like me. If you ask me to do something, I'm going to do my best to do it for you. But I learned to say no. The reality is I still don't do too well with this, and, I, and occasionally I find myself still exhausted. The reality is too many people are tired and exhausted. The photographer was snapping pictures of an elementary uh, school, first graders at an elementary school, and, and was making small talk with the kids to try and put them at ease. And the photographer asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? And the little girl said, tired. It's true, though, isn't it? A lot of adults are tired. Exhaustion can make you dangerous. Some of the most notorious industrial accidents of the modern world Exxon Valdez, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, occurred in the middle of the night. In the Challenger Space Shuttle disaster, NASA officials made the decision to go ahead with the launch after working 20 hours straight and getting only two or three hours of sleep the night before. You see, that error of judgment cost the lives of seven astronauts. We cannot ignore our need for rest and renewal, especially at the peril of others and ourselves. Perhaps the greatest harm that we do is the harm that we do to our own souls. I wonder if, I, if busyness could be another form of idolatry. Barbara Brown Taylor wrote, some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. The only time we, we know we have done enough is when we're running on empty and when the ones we love the most are the ones we see the least. When we lie down to sleep at night, we offer our full appointments calendars to God instead of prayer, believing that God, who is as busy as we are, will surely understand. So what's the answer to the problem? How do you find rest and renewal, not just for your body, but also for your soul? The answer is in the fourth commandment. The Sabbath principle gives you a day of rest. It's a day to catch your breath 
day to not work. If you're a full-time homemaker, it's a day for you to take a break from the grind of cooking and cleaning and getting things done. If you're a student, it's a day for you to rest from the burden of endless books to read, projects to finish, papers to write. Listen to me, students. Take a day away from doing your homework. You need that rest. Now, some of you may hear me saying, Pastor Jason said I don't have to do homework. That's a lie. It's not what I said. But find a day in your schedule where you're not having to do that. If you're a teacher, it's not a catch-up day. It's a day for you to put it all down. Listen, take a break from grading papers and planning. Stop generating work for you and your students. Everybody's going to feel better if you do that. If you work in an office, it's a day to put your phone and your computer down. And pay attention to your family and friends right in front of you. If you're a builder, it's a day to not build. If you're an artist, enjoy somebody else's creativity for the day. If you work inside, go outside for the day. If you work outside, stay inside and soak up the air conditioning. Whatever work you do, stop doing it and relax. Instead of working, do things that refuel your body, your mind, your relationships, and your soul. If you like movies... Go see a good movie. Don't go see a bad one, because then it's not relaxing. Right? If you like to ride your bike, go do that. If you like to hike, take a long one. If you like to read, I don't understand that, but go for it. Read you a good book. Right? If you like to garden, I definitely don't understand that one. Go plant some flowers. Right, if you like to do yard work, come up to the church and prune some stuff. <laughs> Listen, the important thing is to detach yourself from everyday stuff that's going on, from your everyday work. The Sabbath is a time to say, I'm a human, I'm not a human doing, but I'm a human being. I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. I am more than my work. You are not defined by the work you do. But if you're going to do this, it requires faith. You have to decide, I'll stop working and trust God that the work I could be doing on this day will somehow get done. God will see that. And as I honor him, he will take care of me. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, which, by the way, is God's favorite restaurant, um, declared in 1948 that his restaurants would remain closed on Sundays. He, he didn't mind losing millions of dollars of business to honor the Lord's Day because he recognized his employees needed rest and a day to honor God. And can I tell you, Chick-fil-A has lost billions and billions of dollars by being closed on Sunday and honoring the Sabbath. Now, if you ignore the, this, this part of the fourth commandment, that you need rest, the result is burnout and unhealthy stress. Often, it can lead to relaxing of boundaries because you're tired, and that leads to moral failure. 
Not resting is dangerous for your body, your spirit, and your soul. You say, Pastor Jason, that sounds great. I know I need rest, but I can't seem to get there. There's so much pressure, right? There's pressure from your kids to have more. There's pressure from your spouse to love more. There's pressure from your boss to do more. There's pressure from the American ideal to achieve more. There's pressure from your creditors to pay more. There's pressure from your parents to perform at a high level. There's pressure from fear. There's pressure from past failures. There's pressure from temptation. There's pressure from school. There's pressure from anxiety. Everywhere around us is pressure. And the personal pressure on yourself that you've placed there can be the heaviest of all. You think, I'm not supposed to be this way. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm not supposed to live like this. You see, in Jesus' day, they understood the pressure in being tired. Every time a new religious leader showed up, They had a new set of rules and regulations that they had to follow. And each one of them was making it harder and harder and harder to follow God. Think about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You see, whenever a Jewish rabbi came, it cost the people more time, more energy, and more money with more rules to memorize. And then like a fresh wind on on a summer afternoon or a cold drink on a hot day, Jesus stepped on the scene and he reminded the people of the fourth commandment in a beautiful way. Here's what Jesus said to hundreds of overstressed, overworked, overworried people in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound wonderful? The reality is you can find peace and rest in Jesus. When you are too busy for God, you're too busy. When you're too busy to pray, that's too busy. When you're too busy to go to church, something's wrong with your pace. You've got to make some adjustments. When you're too busy for rest, you're going to crash. It's just a matter of time. It's time to slow down, reprioritize, and obey the fourth commandment. Grade yourself on this one. How are you doing? I gave myself a C minus. The reason I didn't give myself a D is because it would add too much pressure. But I'm working on changing. I have to. For my good, for my family's good, And for this church is good. I have to change. I have to obey this commandment. But I'm committed to change. And you have to obey this commandment. It's not optional. 
That's the thing with, with these things that we've been studying. They're called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. You don't have an option. It's mandatory. It's a commandment. Three things I want you to consider. Do you need to get to work? Have you been lazy and expecting others to take care of your needs? Have you not been doing what you know you should be doing? Do you need to reprioritize church and get back to keeping the Sabbath day holy? To which you say, Pastor Jason, you don't know what I would have to give up. Listen to yourself. Do you need to observe Sabbath rest and be recharged? Is it time to clear some things from your schedule? The reality is we can't afford to be disobedient to this one. Listen, when you're tired, you don't make good decisions. When you're tired and worn out, maybe it's just you. Maybe you guys have perfect marriages. But my wife told you guys about us, even our argument that we had last week. And it wasn't pretty. And the worst part is it was over the phone, and so she couldn't even see how frustrated I was, and, and I couldn't see how frustrated she was. But you want to know why I got mad? It wasn't because of something she did. It was because I was tired. And how many of you guys know when you're tired, you're just a little bit more emotional? Listen, maybe the reason you and your spouse hate each other is because you're tired and you need to take a nap. You need to go home and go to bed together. And I'm not talking about having sex together. I'm just talking go home and sleep. It's important. The other is important too. But you got to sleep as well. Listen, if you're not sleeping, it's going to affect every single thing you do. Can I tell you when I'm tired, I'm a jerk. My wife will look at me and be like, you need to go take a nap. And you know what? When I'm tired, I'm easily offended. Little things can send me over the edge. When I'm tired, I'm easily frustrated. In the middle of right before I stepped up to preach this morning. A little bit of transparency for you guys. I leaned over to my wife and I said, why is everything frustrating me this morning? And she goes, I don't know. And so I stood there in the front, frustrated, not because of anything any, anybody had done, and then I got to get up and preach in two minutes. And this is the face you get. I really feel bad for the worship team because that's the face they see and they're trying to worship God and they see their pastor on the front row visibly frustrated. And I prayed and I said, God, 
I need your help. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I can't get up and preach this way. And you know what he said to me? Hey, dummy. How about you practice what you're about to preach? The reality, I was up until 1, 1 1.30. I typically don't sleep a lot on Saturday nights because I'm stressed. And then I woke up super early today, earlier than I normally do. And so I only got about four or five hours of sleep. And can I tell you, that's not enough. Listen to me, when I was in college, I used to be, have this thing that I'm like, oh, all I need is four or five hours of sleep and I'm good. Listen, no, you're not. Because if you don't start resting now, by the time you hit my age, you're gonna be on the verge of burnout because you're so tired. And you'll blame it on everything else. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not on the verge of burnout. But I am standing before you today going, you know what? I need to rest better. And I told you guys that up front in the message. Today wasn't taught out of strength. It was taught out of weakness. But here's the reality. Is I know I'm not the only one. I look out in the congregation and I see heavy eyes. Not that you're falling asleep. But I see the bags under your eyes from the stress of life. And the lack of sleep. And women, you guys have it a little bit easier than us guys do because you can put on makeup to hide it. I can't. So here's what I want to do is I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that we would do this. That we'd work and we'd work hard. That we'd keep the Sabbath holy. But that last part, man, that we would rest. Every head bowed, every eye closed today, you'd say, Pastor Jason, I struggle with one of those three areas. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's keeping the Sabbath holy. Maybe it's rest. And today you'd say, Pastor Jason, things are off balance here. And I need to get them right with God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Right now, there's hands all over the room. God, I come to you right now. God, and I pray for men and women, God, that have said that something's off kilter. God, maybe for some in here it's work, God, and they either haven't been working or haven't been working as they should. God, I pray that as they work, God, as they find jobs, as they get busy doing what it is you've called them to do, God, that they would do it as unto you. God, for others in here, maybe it's at keeping the Sabbath holy. God, maybe there's been a lack of commitment to, to, to even your, your church, God. God, and today I'd say, you know what, I've got to do this, not just for me, but I've got to do it for the future generation that I'll either have currently or will have for my kids and their kids and my kids' kids' kids. God, help us to make you a priority. 
And God, we pray over those who just need some rest. God, I pray. God, number one, we just come to you and we confess our weakness, God, and we ask your forgiveness in all three of these areas. God, forgive us for not working. Forgive us for not keeping your Sabbath holy. And God, forgive us for not resting as we should. God, help us to slow down. God, help us to take things off of our plate. Help us to say no. God, help us to rest. God, you said your burden is light and easy. But God, too often we try to carry our burdens on our own, which are heavy and hard. So God, we come to you, God, giving ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that even today, God, that you would help us rest. God, that you would help us relax, that you would help us find that one thing, God, that replenishes our soul. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.